0: Yeah, tonight I'm I'm talking on fear and anxiety and, and first I wanted to show you a picture that scared me to death. See if you got that up there. Somebody's stumbling up there, heading for the That is That is Ed Nixon under underwater. That is beautiful, Ed. I love that. Can we just keep that up there for a little bit longer? Um, that is is Springs. There was several of us got to enjoy uh, going down the Itchituckney um this past week, and got to see Ed underwater, which was obviously frightening. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, you can take that off now, because nobody's going to stop looking at it. Um, a uh, few, uh, actually, a month or so ago, I went to Costa Rica with my uh, with my wife. And I have a dear friend there um, named Spencer, and we always like to kind of have little melees on theology and talk about certain things. And and we got to the end of a night and of disagreement. It was healthy disagreement, but it was disagreement. And he said, "Do this for me." He said, "Do the red letter challenge." I said, "Well, what's that, dude?" And he said, "Go through the New Testament and just read the red letters." So you can buy a you can get a Bible that's a red letter edition, and it just has the the words of Christ. Um, kind of highlight it for you he said just read through it just read those red letters read the context around it but basically just read the red letters he said it will re-engineer your thought process on what we're supposed to do here as christians and so i said all right that sounds like a pretty uh pretty smart thing to do so i started doing that when i came back to the states and as i was going through matthew i kept kind of getting stopped on matthew six and this section of fear and anxiety, and I was making little notes, and I knew I had a talk coming up, and then I'd continue on, and then I'd come back to it. And I just felt like God was saying, there's something here for the church about fear and anxiety. And I really believe that we're in a culture that kind of caters to fear and anxiety. We have more information accessible to us now than we've ever had. And we know more about statistics of plane crashes. We know we see everything on TV when a bridge collapses and people die. When uh, just anything that you see, we've got antibacterial soap, everything. And I started doing a little bit of research, shockingly enough. And I uh, looked up phobias on the Internet and kind of laughed at the, the enormity of the list of phobias and knowing that it's just grown year after year. And I've just got a sampling. Of some of the phobias and some of the ones that I thought were pointed and some that were kind of funny. Um, the first one on my list here is ablutophobia. It's fear of washing or bathing. Don't think I want to hang out with anybody with ablutophobia. This one is is a, is a good one. It's aligatorophobia. Fear of chickens. Yeah. uh, There's the one right under that. It's olodoxophobia. I think I have this one. It's fear of opinions, which I don't want any of those. This is, I think, my personal favorite. It's anglophobia. It's fear of England or the English culture or anyone from England. So if you've got that phobia, you probably uh, wouldn't be comfortable here. We have a few English people on staff. The next one's angrophobia. I think I've caused some people to have that fear of anger or becoming angry. Um, I know several people in here have this one. Anna, wait, and uptophobia, fear of staying single forever. <laughs> and this one is ridiculous. It's so long. I don't even know if I can pronounce it. Um, Arakachubutyryphobia. This is fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. I mean, what the heck is that? It was in a list on the internet, so you know it's real. So you know it's real phobia. Here's another one of my personal favorites: Aulophobia, fear of flutes, Orophobia, fear of gold. I want to hang out with those people. They can unload some at my house. Autodisomophobia. Fear of one that has a vile odor. I guess that kind of would go with the blutophobia. People that are fearful of washing and bathing don't want to get those people together. Um, let me see here. This is another good one. Boogiephobia. <laughs> fear of boogies or the Boogeyman. Um. Yeah, it keeps on coming. Uh, what do we got here? Ecclesiophobia, fear of church. I think we talked a little bit about that. I think there's a lot of people with that fear. Like people have that and don't make their way in here because they have a lot of misconceptions about church. I know many, many of you have this one. It's called ergophobia. It's fear of work. We've got some of that. If you come into our office, you might think a lot of us have that. At River City. Um, (laughs) If you were on the Itch and and Tuckney trip, I hope you didn't have this phobia. It's gymnophobia. Fear of nudity. Because there was a few heinies that hung out some windows on the way home. (laughs) This is... Yeah. Yeah, shocking. Can you believe that? River City Church College students. Imagine that. If you... uh, If you had this phobia, you've probably already left. It's homilophobia, fear of sermons. Yeah. And if you have been sweating through this entire first portion of this talk and this list of phobias, you've got phobophobia, which is fear of phobias. (laughs) The reason I read that is I just think that as time has gone on, and as, we, as, as time moves on, I just think that fear and anxiety has, has not only crept into our world, but it's, it's, it creeps into our church. And I think we, we live with it, and we think that this is something that we're supposed to live with, and, and we're not. We're not meant to live with fear and anxiety. I think about um, growing up in the 80s, and the difference in the way things were back then. And even car seats. I, and my parents never put me in a car seat. There was no such thing. They just threw a mattress in the back of the Wally Wagon, and we just kind of rolled around back there. <laughs> I mean, there was no fear of car accident. You know, there, there was, but, I mean, they, they just didn't have car seats. And now there's, you got the, the mom, you know, buckling the deal and double looping I mean, if they look at my car, they get all mad. They're like, you've got to hook the deal on this, and you've got to put this over. Oh, you didn't do one of those. You've got to put this over here. And we bolt them down in there now. And this is how we rolled in the 80s. I've got a picture of something called, before you put it up there, it's called a jart. It's a lawn dart. Anybody, do anybody remember these? I mean, yeah. I mean, those are the craziest things ever. I mean, you would never have a lawn dart today. It was like a dart. It was about this big. had a big iron metal tip. And it was like horseshoes on steroids. You'd have these big hula hoops at the end of the yard. You'd have your homies over here. And you'd be over here. And you'd take these darts and sling it in the air and just hope that somebody didn't end up with one of them in their back, you know. But I've got a picture here that kind of demonstrates what would have happened. That is actually a picture. Yeah, that was me. But yeah, that's a lawn dart. But yeah, that's how we rolled in the 80s. And, And now we're just everything with statistics and all the things that we know about, just fear and anxiety creeps in. And many of us in here, you know, we're coming up on a new semester if you're in college. Many of us here are starting jobs. Many of us here are getting ready to graduate from the program here at CRM. And anxiety begins to build up. And fear begins to build up as we have change. Some of us actually do fear staying single. We think, you know, is, is God ever going to you know, send me someone? Is God ever going to send me someone? And we're not supposed to live with fear and anxiety. I, I got into this Matthew six twenty five through 34. And... What I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read through this real quick um, and just listen to what what Jesus says about fear and anxiety so we know that we are not meant to live and deal with fear and anxiety. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They... They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You can open your eyes. As I was reading this, I really wanted to, to see what is the root of our fear and anxiety. Because I really believe, you know, Antley talks about the Western church walking with a limp. Well, I think this is one of the injuries that we have as a church, as a, as a Western church, is that we walk with a limp because we are scared and we think that it's okay to fear. It's okay to allow anxiety to consume us. And I, and I wanted to figure out what the root of this was. And I looked at Matthew 14, 28 through 33, where Peter is stepping out of the boat. That the, the scene is as Jesus comes. They're they're on the water. There's a storm, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And Peter says, "Hey, I want to I want to I want to get out of the boat. I want to walk on the water too." So Jesus tells him to come on, and he gets out of the boat and he begins walking towards Jesus. And this is where I think all of the childhood Bible stories get it wrong. What what do they say? Why Jesus? Uh, Peter began to sink. Why 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 did he sink? Why I and mean, what is what do we hear the reason that he sunk? He took his eyes off Jesus. Well, that is not what Scripture says at all. That's not what Scripture says. This is what it says. Let me see. This is what it says. I better find it. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, I don't see it that he looked away. All it says is that he saw the wind. I think Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus. And in, in the peripheral vision, he began to believe something else. He still saw Jesus in front of him. But he began to believe the waves. He began to believe the wind. And he stopped believing Jesus, who was right in front of him. I believe that fear and anxiety is rooted And unbelief. And what does Jesus say? And the reason I know this is just Jesus' response to Peter. Jesus immediately reaches out his hand. He took hold of him saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He didn't say, why are you afraid? Why do you fear? He knew what the root of it was. He knew that it was belief and fear. And if we go back to Matthew 6, 25-34, he says the same thing. He says, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious. It's all about unbelief. It's all about us stopping something. You know, all of a sudden we're choosing something. Because fear and anxiety is going to come. I mean, there's things in our lives that are going to come and we're going to be fearful. We're going to get scared. But it's how we respond. Are we, are we all of a sudden going to stop believing who God is and who he says he is? Another thing I, I was curious about is, is, you know, what is, how does God view unbelief? You know, is unbelief this awful thing if we start to lose fear? And the bad news is, is it's, it's not a great thing for us not to believe. We know this great and wonderful God in front of us, and I was directed to this verse, or this, this passage in Hebrews, Hebrews three, where, where Paul, or we, we believe Paul wrote Hebrews, talks about the evil of unbelief, and then he makes reference to the Israelites that died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. A generation had to pass before they moved into the promised land because of their unbelief, because they didn't have faith, because they became afraid of what they saw on the other side because of their fear. I think we we think of the promised land, we think of heaven immediately. I I believe it's the kingdom. I believe when when we choose to not believe not believe Jesus in front of us and we begin to believe the wind and the waves and we begin to let fear consume us that we're not going to experience the kingdom the way God wants us to and we're going to walk with a limp. How are we going to go out from here and into the communities if we have that kind of limp? If we fear if we have our own anxieties that we're dealing with, if we have all these things that consume us all day long how are we going to go out and serve this community? It's fearful. And they don't have hope. They don't know Jesus. Well, there is good news. I'm not trying to beat you up tonight. The, the good news is that God expects us to encounter fear. In Psalm 56, 3, he says, it reads, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in thee. It doesn't say, You won't ever be afraid. It says, When I'm afraid. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him. It doesn't say you won't ever have anxiety. So we know God knows that it will come. It's just how we respond. And do we begin to not believe? And how do we defeat fear and anxiety? Well, we do it with God's Word and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can dig into God's Word all we want if we don't believe in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to come and to use those words to do something awesome, to remove and strip fear away from us, then it's no good to us. We're in a battle that can be won. Absolutely. I, uh, I recently went to California to do a wedding. Never done a wedding before. And the night before uh, the wedding, or the night before the day we were supposed to fly to the wedding, stayed up real late with some of my college friends, J.B., and we, we'd we actually gone to do some, some really cool stuff. But we stayed up really late. I had a 7.40 flight. It was like we, we were out way past midnight. And got home and my lovely wife, who's ducking now, didn't set the alarm properly. And I got up at like 7. And we had a 7.40 flight. So I just look at her and I'm like, baby, we missed our flight. She's like, what? I'm like, oh. So... I gave her a good beating, and we got... (laughs) Just kidding. I never beat my wife, unless she gets out of order. Um, No, but I jumped on the Internet and looked, and flights were full to California. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I had to be sworn in on Friday afternoon. And the Santa Barbara courthouse closed at 4.30, and the lady said, there's no exceptions. We don't play around with this. We close at 4. We're going home. It's Friday. And so I got a flight that gave us this tiny, tiny window to get to Los Angeles. My friend was going to drive us up to Santa Barbara. I don't know if you know anything about California, but the traffic is heinous. It's really, really bad. So we get a flight. We get there. It's shockingly on time. We get out of the airport, and we get in the car. And one thing I know about my friend, I've known him for 25 years, is that that joker can drive. He can drive amazing. I mean, he is... He loves, he's kind of an anomaly. He's an artist in California, but he loves, loves, loves NASCAR. And, <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? It's like a train wreck, man. But he, uh, I know he can drive. And sure enough, we get in his car, and he's, he's, he's on the 101, and he's weaving, and bobbing. Traffic is awful. He, he'll, like, we would get up to an exit. And he would get over into the exit lane and he'd go like 110 miles an hour and pass like 300 cars and then he'd get back over and weave. And he did it with like this real calm like face. You know, he's sitting there, All I, saw, I was behind him so all I saw was the back of his head and occasionally he would just make little comments like get off my road real calmly as he passed people. His mom was in the car with us and she's panicking and just rattling off like this. His bride-to-be was surprisingly calm. I was really calm because I knew my friend George very well. I, I, I knew that he could drive and I knew that he was going to get us there. I knew that he was going to get us through traffic. I knew that that road, even though it was crazy, we were speeding, going you know, Mach 10, that, that he was going to get us there. And the reason that we should know that God can get us there and weave us through uncertain waters is because we know Him from His Word and we know Him from His promises. We know Him from what He says and the way that He just wraps His arms around us with the promises that we see in Scripture. One of the ones I hold on to um, when I think about fear is I'm going through just a, a highway that's uncertain and speeding through is Isaiah 41.10. As you're thinking about a new semester or a new job Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. When you're weak, when you don't feel strong, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're up on a decision, something that you have to make, and it's just weighing down on you. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Philippians 1.6 When you feel like you're failing as a believer and as a Christian. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, we've got to hold on to the Scripture. We've got to just depend and expect the Holy Spirit to show up and remove fear. I have uh, some some friends of mine that meet in a small group in North St. John's County. And they recently have been going through um, this study over the summer. It was kind of a, a just a family deal that they were doing. And a few weeks back, or actually a month or so back, they went through Daniel and the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they kind of retell the story to the kids, not in a little storybook way, but in the way that it happened, and in kind of the shocking fashion. you know. And it, the, the kids loved it. But they had just gone through that that story. And uh, kind of to to set up that whole piece of scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not going to bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar had made a decree that everybody was going to bow down to his gods and his idols. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't bowing down. And Nebuchadnezzar's people said, Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, these guys aren't bowing down. What are you going to do about it? He says, well, I guess, you know, I said they're going to have to, to be thrown in the fiery furnace. Bring them to me, and I want to talk to them. And so he says, hey, what are you doing? you got to bow down to the gods. You're going to get tossed in the fiery furnace. And this is their response. Oh Nebuchadnezzar, we have, uh, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And this is what I love and I think is awesome. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They had faith. They trusted. They didn't stop believing. With faith, they said, our God has the power to deliver us from this. But even if He doesn't, we trust Him. Even if He doesn't, we trust Him. About a week ago, my friends were leaving my house. They had come over for dinner and they would brought um, some other kids with them from, from that family that met in that group together, Chip and Teresa. Their kid, Connor, came with them. And they left our house and they went home that night. And their kids woke them up in the middle of the night. And they were taking care of Connor because Chip and Teresa were, were um, in St. Simon's Island a couple hours away. And Brock and Carrie, who was taking care of Connor, their, their kids came into their bedroom and said, Connor, stop breathing i don't know what's wrong with him but he's 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 sitting up but he can't breathe he, he's just not getting air and brock and carry are not these alarmist fear shaken parents they knew something was wrong so they went in there and sure enough connor was not breathing and they immediately called 911 and called chip and teresa and chip and teresa got in the car and started on their way back to jacksonville And you can imagine the fear was setting in a little bit of anxiety was setting in And immediately they started praying. And Brock and Carey in Jacksonville were were praying. And this was Chip's prayer. I I just recently heard this story. And if I get choked up, I'm sorry because I know these people really well. Chip said, God of the universe, you can do anything you want. Please, please breathe life back into my son's lungs. Breathe into his lungs right now. In the name of Jesus, you can do anything. But even if you don't, I trust you. I trust you. That's belief. That's trust. That's rooting yourself in knowing that God is who He says He is. About ten minutes after they finished praying, they got a phone call. Connor was breathing. The EMTs were there. He had already started breathing before he got there. And they began to praise God. And I don't I don't not believe for a second that God honored their prayer because of the massive faith that he had in the statement that he made riding home from St. Simon's Island. Many of us here have fears and anxieties. We're walking with limps. I know that I struggle with it. I had anxiety and fear thinking about this talk. I mean, that's ironic. Having fear about a talk on fear. <laughs> but in a minute, we're going to go back into worship for, for just a few songs. And, and I want everybody to come forward. And I, 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 this is one of those things where you don't want to leave here tonight without Prayer. If you've got if you're dealing with fear, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with shame, if you're dealing with guilt, if you if God if you feel like you've got something that God you you don't you haven't been believing God to heal, you need to get prayer tonight. I always talk about light shining. How can we shine our light? I think we think we have to be good. I prayed for somebody today that said, I'm just not a good Christian. I said I I, I prayed freedom over him because the thing that will reflect and shine light to other people is not you being good. Shocking news. It's going to be you walking in freedom, free from fear, free from shame, free from anxiety. Freedom is what's going to communicate to the outside world that there's life here. There's life here. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank You and praise You just for for the life that You give. I thank You and praise You for Your Son that You've freed us. You've broken the bond of guilt and shame. God, I just pray tonight that You come, that Your Holy Spirit comes and falls on this place. We want to be free from the bondage of fear We want to be free from the bondage of shame. We want to be free from the bondage of anxiety. We want to be free so that we can set this community on fire for you. We do believe that the people in this room, in this service, are going to be used mighty and powerfully in this community. God, we just ask you to come right now. Come right now with your spirit. as we go into worship just be thinking about the burdens that you have we're going to go straight from worship straight into ministry like I say you don't want to leave here tonight carrying those burdens the word that I kept hearing tonight over and over again in my head and spoken was freedom it was freedom just don't leave here tonight without asking for the Holy Spirit to come and release that Let's just wait on the Lord. Just come, Holy Spirit, in your power. We're just going to move into a time of prayer instead of going back into worship. They're going to be singing worship songs kind of in the backdrop. But just, uh, you know, not every service is the same. And we feel like God really...